You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Duncan, out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. And I'm Mike Edwards, out of Denver, Colorado. And we thrive on the support of our listeners, so please check out sunriserobot.net slash support to see some ways you can help us out. So for episode eight, um, we're, we're going to start with a bit of follow-up. So last time we talked about the last, the lawsuit, um, against Robin Thicke for the song Blurred Lines. And yeah, we, we predicted some bad things were going to happen. And for some time, it seemed like, um, the, the Marvin Gaye estate would go further and also include a lawsuit of, uh, because of the song Happy. But yeah, it turns out we're, We're in luck, and they didn't. Yeah, it was just a case of the press drumming up some... I don't know. Where did this rumor come from? Maybe yeah. it, someone was just like, this will get headlines. <laughs> Sue yeah. Happy Gay Family. Um, um, well, happy to hear that they're not suing for Happy, because you know whatever you think of Blurred Lines, there's no way. like All music would be suable if you can sue Happy just for having a, like, a vague feel of... Marvin Gaye's music. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, after the lawsuit, I saw um, 10 or 20 articles about this song sounds even more like this song than um, than than in this, this uh, Blood Line case or the Happy case. And uh, it's more or less lawyers could have been able to just read those articles and pick all the songs out and go, <laughs> okay, let's have a lawsuit here, let's have a lawsuit there. But... Uh, thankfully, uh, for now, this, had, this hasn't happened yet. Maybe it will stay like this if we're lucky. But I still predict that some, some, something more is going to happen. Not necessarily with the Marvin Gaye estate, but as I said, I, I, I'm predicting from something from the the Jackson family, maybe. But yeah. Also, I, I don't want to get into rumors. I don't want to get into. To, Just sheer spectral speculation, but this is not a hearsay podcast. Yeah, but it, but it just seems probable to me that there's going to be something more happening. Yeah. So we got some interesting uh, new. I don't know how you would describe them, like toolkits for musicians and market research and promotion, fan interaction yeah. and promotion, and so. Uh, there's this thing called AudioKite, which uh, purports to connect your songs to real listeners so that you can get feedback on how they feel about your song and you know your lyrics, the way it sounds, and supposedly it's it's uh, something more robust. So have you looked very deeply into this, or do you have any opinions on this? Um, yeah, so uh, they, they have got an example report. So if you were to send in a song, and um, let's not forget, pay money, to to get people to listen to your song and review it um they, they've got an example report here so it started out with a general rating out of 10 and um then you're getting like typical responses like respondents are somewhat likely to purchase or stream the song or they are very likely to seek out more of your music and you're getting little beautiful pie charts and then you're Then people are, have to have to rate your song on on the seven specific elements like vocal performance or lyrics or the song structure and sound quality, and of course then you get like written reviews like two to ten lines of reviews, and of course this is the example report. This is what they're advertising with. So um, 
you're getting everything from one-liners like the melody is easy to get lost in to 10 lines of personal uh, personal feelings about the track and um as i said it's it's pay to listen more or less and i'm i'm kind of getting the feeling that the, the thing is with with platforms like this is um unless you're going to to make music that specifically is produced so m many people like it like let, let's just say that that appeals to the lowest common denominator then yeah you're not going to really get anything out of this website i i, I think so if you're into experimental music or just something that's more niche i i can't see how this website could give you ratings that would be specific to your genre or specific to your niche or specific to the the crazy shit you're you're deliberately doing in your music that other people would be like hey what is this this doesn't sound listenable what what are you doing here with the song structure i think i want my verse and chorus and nothing else but uh, yeah, maybe that's maybe it's just me. So, what do you think of this? One of the interesting things I was noticing on their website is so they use Amazon's Mechanical Turk. So you know, the first question with any of these is who are these listeners? Yeah, and like you know, how are they sourced? Or, and so, if you're not familiar with Mechanical Turk, dear listener, um, Amazon basically has a system set up for like simple little tasks that you want to hire generic people on the internet to do like little one minute, two minute, five minute things. And so, I mean, that could be from simple surveys to like, I want you to go to this website and make this, and then I will pay you five cents and like people line up. And I mean, it's a certain kind of person I think that would seek out mechanical Turk and, uh, you know, oh, I'm going to run some surveys and get some, you know, an extra dollar today. It's, it's probably when you're sitting at work and don't want to spend your time on Reddit all day, you can make yeah. some sense on the side. And so, I mean, I don't, I'm not knocking that for like certain kinds of research. It's probably perfectly valid, but you just need to understand the context of, these probably are people that are like, oh, I bet I can burn through a hundred of these in an hour. And so your feedback may may still have something you can learn, but I don't know how much really you're going to learn. This isn't like someone with a, a nice scotch sitting back in their listening room and like thinking about your music for half an hour. <laughs> um, this is this is people farming it out and like they listen to 30 seconds and then they decide what they're going to say and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the problem. I've I've seen... Other pay, other websites with a with a similar purpose where it wasn't like okay you, every, uh, you're paying money but where you could earn points for reviewing other people's music and then you can invest those points so people review your music so it was more um, yeah everybody was more on the same level then but even there it's like people just want to gain something out of it and invest as little as possible and then as you just said it's like let me just get le uh, get a quick look at this song okay i like the space let me just chop out a one liner and then it's it, call it a day because uh i know from from Meta mechanical talk they yeah they throw you out if you 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 don't really bring the performance that is, that is expected of you if you just like click on on the on like the 10 out of 10 everywhere and just hit yeah i like the song if you do that too much they're going to throw you out so but but still you're you're not really going to get opinions of people who sat down and focused on it and did nothing else and you're better off asking 
in in some music communities where people are doing it for free anyway because if they are doing it for free they're probably doing it more focused than this yeah they're actually motivated to check new stuff out yeah um so in this genre is another tool you linked here called which i have to say this one's named really well i like that name it's called tradio and uh but liking the name is is not enough um um, i guess i'm just perpetually I, i come from a place of skepticism when i it seems like every year there's a new hey artist come sign up and put your stuff on here and uh the idea behind Tradio is that it's trying to reward your fans for, for listening and, or not your fans. It's trying to reward people who discover new music. And so the idea is you, you listen to stuff, you decide, you know, you give it your thumbs up or thumbs down and, uh, you might get to win concert tickets or download codes or even like listening hardware like speakers or headphones. And I just, I don't know. What do you think about this? Um, yeah, I'm also skeptical always. <laughs> Be skeptical about all the things. So, um, I, I've also there, I, I, I can't remember the name because it was some weird number. Uh, it was like the 421 or something, a website that, uh, functions very similar to this. So you could like bet points on artists that they were going to go big. And the earlier you betted on them, the more you, you would get out of it than later on. So it, it really, um, encouraged you to to support artists that are unknown until then and with that in mind i i like this idea there's there's always this sentiment of people are going to go where other people already are and this kind of encourage you to go where where nobody else is and and yes yeah, just support artists that that really need a fan base because they don't have any fan base at all and I like it from that aspect. So um, I, I think I'm going to do a test run for like the next week or so and, and really going to check out what kind of artists are on there and, and, uh, what kind of, what's the mentality of the, of the website? Is this, is it all just, um, me against the other users to, to, to just bet? So the thing is, is it just about the, is it really about the music or is it just about let me get, let me get those points, let me get those mm-hmm. tickets or win, win prizes or something? I think it'd almost be interesting if we could bring someone who who knows their shit about economics, because all of these are really different plays on like the, the a marketplace and an economy, and you know just like when Blizzard makes Diablo three and they have a marketplace, like they had to tweak that thing for like years, and then didn't they eventually kill that whole thing? Yeah, um, and it's just like it's really hard to try to set up you know to design a a marketplace and then throw real people in it and see what happens um and i think with with music fandom it's it's really difficult because people listen for so many different reasons and these networks tend to have like one idea of how a listener goes around and chooses things and i just there's, there's so much culture and and um fashion and and I don't know, personalization to when people choose music. And some people don't think about it very deeply. It's like, oh, I heard that song. I like that song. And that's all they ever think about. But then other people, it's like, you know, if you're in a scene in a, in a certain city, it's like, who's, you know, the band that's just got this mojo of like, everyone fucking loves them once they go to their shows. And like, there's a little bit of magic to earning that status. And, um, I don't know. I'm kind of off on a tangent, but it's, it's weird to try to try to systematize culture like this. It's, yeah. but 
I don't know. People keep trying. So it seems like eventually someone's going to find some little formula that hits on some nerve of human nature just yeah. the right way. But, but even then there's kind of the problem of, um, having, having a large user base for it all to work. So now, okay, I'm going to, to, to sign up for this website and try it out. And maybe it will turn out that there are like 2000 people on there and that's really not enough for, for something like this. And, we're eventually going to see something like this that really has to heavily integrate with, yeah, something like Facebook or Twitter and, uh, where people are already are and, uh, like so something on a social me- website that, that already exists that that's being integrated in there because otherwise, um, yeah, you're not, you're just not going to get the big numbers. You're not, you're going to, even if you're number one on the page, you it's, it's like the same thing with, um, Reverb Nation, as we said, like being being first on the charts there doesn't really mean anything unless there are a lot of people there who actually look at those charts. <laughs> yeah. You better sign in. You're going to lose your chart. Um, and I also think it's it's a weirdest, like, I, yeah, I get it. Music is social for a lot of people, but it also doesn't have to be social. And for some people, listening to music is a very private thing. It's it's my headphones, it's my commute, it's me at home. And I'm not always, um, well, me personally, apparently I am because I'm always posting music and we run this podcast about music. But a lot of people, it's really something they don't feel the need to tell anyone else. Like, hey, I'm listening to this. <laughs> and I mean, I it's like I, there was some outcry, like when Spotify was first integrated with Facebook, it was really aggressive about auto posting on your behalf is listening to this is listening to this. And I think the lack of the human factor there made that just seem really ugly and dumb and stupid of just like, stop spamming. I don't care (laughs) what they're listening to, but, um, I, I just got an idea about, about a website like this. Um, and maybe if, if somebody's listening out there and knows of a website like this, they could recommend it to me because, um, Otherwise, I'm going to program myself today. Uh, no, but uh, I just had the idea of, of a website where, um, l- let's say I, I find a new artist, but they only have like one album. And so I like their sound, I like the genre, but I don't know any other artists that sound like this. I just want more of it. You know, there's this typical thing of, uh, give me more. I, I th- th- <laughs> M-O-A-R. This, uh, yeah, this. <laughs> and so... I would like to have a website where I could uh, say, okay, I just listened to, let's say, Purity Ring, and um, I can't find any artist that sounds like this. Please recommend me some. And then other users could go and find artists that sound like this, or if they know them, and send them to me. And even and, and also there, you could be like, the less known the artist is that that is being recommended, the more points you would get. So yeah. um, it, it wouldn't make sense to recommend radiohead to me because chances are i already know them and also they're not gonna need more help for promotion right um but if you if you get like more points for recommending unknown artists that still sound like the thing i was looking for then there would have to be some kind of confirmation step of you accept it and you go yeah Yeah. that was good because yeah like on a scale from one to ten this was about eight of what i was expecting and i like it and here you go so this this could work, I imagine. Um, of course, then again, you you need the numbers, you need a large user base. But as a system in itself, I think this would be something that could work, where it pushes the the little known artist and also helps the users. So here, the the incentive is you you're going to get prizes, you're going to get tickets. But um, 
with with this idea you would actually get users there because they want to find more music and you would really get those people yeah. that are act actively seeking out music so i just installed tradio on my phone and uh it's got a little intro onboarding as they call um kind of like the, the beats app which i installed once out of curiosity um <laughs> where it's asking you to pick your favorite genres before it even lets you into the the system but yeah i'll have to try this out and maybe we can revisit if there's anything that jumps out at us yeah beats app what what does the beats app do is it just an equalizer a, that boosts the low end no it's <laughs> it's their their stream their spotify clone ah Ah, yeah, I remember. Didn't really take off, did it? Uh, well, Apple bought them, so I think they're they, they're on hiatus while they rebuild it for whatever Apple's doing. Um, so I have a topic for the week that I kind of wanted to pose a, a pick aside and, um, as, as you joked earlier, a, a false dichotomy, anyone. But um, my question is around how long will it take for software to eat the hardware of music production? And... I mean, I get it that there's, you know, all the pieces already exist for this, but it's still kind of like, you know, I meet guitar players and they love their pedals. They love their, their, you know, their vintage stuff from the sixties. They love, you know, drummers love that one drum set from 1947 they found. And, you know, it's just, there, there's this enthusiasm for that stuff. And I don't know how niche that is, but it seems like there's some, you know, man, tube amps, man, that's all there is. And how long until that pretty much disappears except for like archivalists and and super niche bands or will it disappear i don't think it will disappear anytime soon i think it will get less over the years but um there, there's always going to be some uh we're always going to have like software emulators of analog things even if we don't have the analog thing with us so uh, people are always going to go for that like no matter how digital or in you in the box you are there's probably going to be some deliberate saturation added at some stage where it's like i want it to sound like tape and i want it to sound like a tube and um i think it's always going to happen but it's going to get less and less and people who are now getting into music production who are learning completely on the computer um i think they're going even going to start questioning like why would i want It to sound like this you know people are not yeah. even gonna know anymore like digital digital and and the, the clear sound of digital that like has no mistakes in it i think it's going to be the standard and people are so going to get used to it that um yeah unless they're seeking it out they're not we're not gonna get a lot of analog sound yeah and and you said like in a time frame of about 50 years i'd say that that'd be realistic yeah Well, and I think of it almost like black and white film or even film before sound. Like there was lots of resistance when color or, or just sound came to film. And what happened was not that there was no longer any black and white ever in all of time. It's that black and white got relegated to being just a, a, another crayon in the box. And so it's like filmmakers can choose to go black and white. You know, Tarantino can be like, this part of my movies in black and white. I'm just doing it. But it's, it's no longer the default. And that's kind of what I see happening of like, it's no longer centralized on the hardware. Yeah. It's an option for musicians, you know, like, oh, I'm going to go get that, you know, Fender jazz amp from the sixties and I'm going to put my guitar through it and there's nothing like it, man. But I'm also interested in like 
a, a post hardware world, not of, oh, we've got perfect software emulation of that 60s amp, but just being no longer interested in that 60s amp sound (laughs) and just like the, you know, the culture has moved on and, you know, you might as well be like a barbershop quartet. It's like, yeah, you know, when you hear one, you're like, that sounds kind of amazing, but you aren't seeking out albums and albums of barbershop quartets. Um, you know, I don't know. So, and then, you know, another view is that there will always be some kind of enduring hybrid of, yeah. you know, real physical instruments, you know, vibrating metal may never go away, but, you know, it'll still go into a box and a lot will happen after its ones and zeros. Yeah. So there's, there's actually a trend right now. Um, I, I've seen it at the recent NAM show again, where as, uh, manufacturers of synthesizers and effects of hardware effects, um, they they usually like have a line of of products where it's all digital and all analog and then they they started to build those hybrids where uh, the circuits and everything in there that produces the sound is analog and the the yeah let's say the UI everything that's controlling that in there is all digital so you got total recall and you can save your patches and send them to other other people but under the hood everything's analog and you're getting the analog sound so um, they're really embracing the 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 advantages that come that come with digital with digital uh, yeah hardware to say and and of and still you know you get that analog sound if you want it and uh, I, I've seen that happen more and more recently so there's still a lot of analog things going on but they are as you said augmented more and more with with the digital thing and um, yeah but. Some people are probably never going to to yeah stray away from from that MOOC filter that that's always on every MOOC synthesizer. So I want <laughs> that on my setup and and also there's this whole scene of um, of modular synthesis where people are, are building like huge uh, machines that are using patch cables all over the place. And I mean even there they're going to get more digital here and there, but. Uh, most of it's also still analog so um but that's more of a niche that that's true so yeah uh, i mean i i haven't seen a lot of people or a lot of rooms in the flash where there was a modular synthesizer in there i almost think of another analogy of like digital cameras because you know is there anyone yeah there are people that still shoot on film but it's really not the center of attention anymore um if if you're at least for most professional photography situations, there's just so many advantages to having a digital camera. You can see what you shot immediately. Number one, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, yeah, there's just like no working professional I think would be you know whatever merits there still are to film the insane resolution you get and the other like um, more soft you know subjective qualities that people love about film, but it's just not worth it for you know most situations and it's probably also gotten cheaper oh yeah by the time that that's it's now ubiquitous that everything's digital anyway i mean the same with 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 producing music or uh, analog and in, in analog um if i were to get a mixing desk now i would be a very poor man in an instant <laughs> and and i can just buy some software and and be done with it and it's almost like like I've sat down at those mixing desks when I was in school and like, you know, if I happen to find myself in a studio every once in a while and I'm, I'm like, I miss my software. I'm like, I can draw curves in my software. 
I don't have to push these knobs around. I don't need, <laughs> I don't need these knobs. I'm going to draw my mix. And it's just interesting that I think that's just going to, it's not going to be any one thing. It's just going to creep up over time until you realize that the cost of going analog is just so much extra work. Um, for a lot of things and even if you can argue there's certain sound you know like the way that you know recording the tape if you go above unity it's just like it it magically distorts in a warm wonderful way like doesn't matter don't care because <laughs> overdubbing on that would just be painful yeah <laughs> so I know this is a question that, you know, if it seems like every five years you could return to and kind of track the progress, but I think it's going to be like, you know, like cameras, like black and white film, where there's just going to be a point you reach where you realize, oh, that old way is now just another way and it's no longer the only way to do something. Yeah. All right. So you had this loudness war link. Tell me about this. Yeah. So, um, I found an article that, um, of somebody who was who was experimenting a bit with with YouTube and the volume that it playbacks yeah music and videos in general and yeah it turns out that um very very silently YouTube has been uh, combating the loudness war by actually normalizing videos and then especially music videos of course and or just videos that include music um and that usually we get that um yeah, major pop songs or major rock songs, like everything that's being commercially produced is, is crushed to bits until, uh, every inch of dynamic, yeah, dynamic range is crushed out of it. And, uh, yeah, so it turns out that YouTube has been normalizing audio. And so, so even if you got like one really crushed song and one that's not as crushed, uh, you're getting about the same volume out of it, uh, which is more or less, yeah, I, I I think, yeah, Spotify also does it, I think, unless... Um, I think it says... It, there's a line in the article about that. I think it, it says that Spotify also is yeah. made, made their stand. Yeah, so I, I, don't, and I don't remember ever having to reach for the volume knob while I was listening to r random stuff on Spotify, so they must be doing it, yeah. And I think iTunes also does it, but I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not an iTunes user, but yeah, so YouTube now has started doing it, which is good for the for us the listener yeah. because um yeah it it's more more and more we're, we're getting the situation where producers are, have to think about do i really want to to crush it like this do i want to really want to get it that loud because these algorithms in in youtube and spotify they're just going to punish me for for it and so then like your song isn't louder and now it just sounds like a compressed mess for no yeah. gain literally because, no gain <laughs> Yeah, because that's, that's like the, the purpose behind, uh, the loudness wall was like, or, or the mentality of it was like, humans think that things that are louder are instantly better. The problem is that once you, once you normalize the audio, once you get like the, the version with more dynamic range and the crushed version at the same volume, you're immediately going to notice which one's better. And it's mostly the one with more dynamic range. And yeah, yeah as you just said, people are just going to notice that. And, um, hopefully that will turn into the net mastering engineers not being forced to crush mixes anymore. And I'm saying like this because uh, I know that most of the time it's not the mastering engineer's decision. It's the, the, uh, 
the label or the, the marketing person saying we have to go louder than this. <laughs> we have to go to 11. Um, yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's the challenge. And for, for most artists producing a record, there's a long chain of six or seven people that have a chance to crush the mix. Um, and yeah, it just takes one of them to succumb to it. And I like to, so linked on this article that there was a separate one about sort of debunking the myths about the loudness war and why people feel the need to, to crush their mixes. And, um, it was suggesting there's some research that people don't actually like super crushed mixes and that you can't correlate loudness with sales that dynamic records sell just fine and um there's no reason to avoid that just out of fear and uh i just i liked seeing that and i, I want to look into his sources to see if they're reputable but um it was it was a comforting thing to hear like oh and uh linked off of that article was also a, a co apparently coming up on march 27th is dynamic range day and so there's a, a little contest um out of the uk where Uh, you submit music that has at least 10 decibels of dynamic range um, from peak to loud. I don't know. They had a, a, a technical measurement of what they meant by that. And, uh, you know, typical music is six or less of decibels of dynamic range. And so interesting. You know, check out that challenge if you're a musician listening. Um, maybe submit something. It's your excuse to test out that dynamic mix you didn't <laughs> ship on your last record. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, I've never heard anybody complain about this mix is too dynamic for me. I, uh, <laughs> usually you don't, you don't really even notice it until it's crushed. So it's like the other way around. So once, once you crush the mix, you, you can actually hear what you've just lost. Yeah. Shall we pick of the week? I think we should pick of the week. All right. You pick of the week. Okay. My pick of the week. And I'm going to butcher the name here. Especially the things that are in the parentheses in the back. So <laughs> my pick of the week is Sigurós and the, the song Hun Short. And not the song itself, but the remix. And okay, now I'm going to do my best at this. And Durid Af has... I'm not going to try. I'm not going to try. I'm just going to link it in the show notes. And um, yeah, I picked the song and especially I picked the remix because... Um, The first time I heard of Sigurós, or I heard the first album, I, I accidentally didn't pick their first album, but I picked the remix album of that. And I didn't even really notice that there was an original to it. Although the original <laughs> is also equally good, but I, I really always got stuck with this remix. And the, the part I really like the most in there are those, um, so, so there's a part where everything just, just goes down and the instruments are, are gone and then, um, there, there's a bass guitar that is playing harmonics. And for those of you who are, who are, who are not, uh, guitarists or bassists or anything, a harmonics are is something that can happen when you're not really pressing down the, the string onto the fret, but just like touching the string and then you pick it at certain parts of the string. You can get harmonics out of it, which is like, it's an octave above. It's, it's a fifth above the, the actual sound of the note. And this is what happening here. And the first time I had this, I was like, yeah, why have I never, done that before on the bass guitar i mean I've, i did it on the guitar but of course the bass guitar can do exactly the same thing and when i brought that uh brought that song to to my rehearsal space then and showed it to my bassist he was he was amazed and started experimenting with harmonics right away um so i think we we're just going to listen to to that little part of it right now
Okay, so did you get a chance to listen to it before the show? I did, and uh, it's a it's a good song. There's an interesting. Uh, so there's kind of that that shuffle syncopated beat throughout most of it, and uh, as you said, the the bass kind of holds most of the interest, but. Um, Maybe just to, to fit the cliche of the, the vocals guy who always picks out what the vocalist is doing. Um, I liked it um, in this version. His his voice is super dry and clean at first. Like it's almost like this small central voice, and then throughout at a certain point it shifts and it becomes more like a choir with tons of reverb kind of surrounding you. And that's when the song really started to click for me. Um, it, it just got real pretty real fast, and um, I. That's the thing I enjoyed most was that contrast, not, you know, but then it just got so pretty with, with all those voices is, I mean, as they're usually really good at in Sigurás. Okay. So what uh, was your pick of the week? So I actually want to shout out to Flipping Tables co-host David Lyons for, for turning me on to this artist. Um, so this is uh, Out of Paris comes Caravan Palace, and they have a song called Maniac. And uh, just to, to prime you on what they're like, it, it's very much jazz almost like electro swing um some like vaudeville big band kind of retro feel but modernized with with beats and you know very like this could be in a club um you have a party going like this is like perfect music for just throwing on but there's just so much you know gleeful joy in this music it's so bouncy it's so in um it just feels inventive they're just there's all these samples going on all these things bouncing around so let's let's just check out a little bit of maniac Matt, what do you think of this song? Um, the song instantly reminded me of of the Avalanches, who are also doing like mostly or just exclusively music through sampled stuff and things they're finding on old vinyl records. But um, yeah, the Avalanches are, I think, more sentimental and have have like where where I'd say like the Avalanches are minor key and the Caravan Caravan Palace sounded more like major key to me. So there there was a lot of happiness in there, but yes, yeah, similar production style. And um, I'm I'm usually not into this kind of music, but yeah, it instantly clicked for me as well. So um, I I it, it's just really groovy. So with with the song starting, there's there's an ex expectation. That's building up, and then once the the sample drums hit, you, you you're getting what you were asking for. So uh, <laughs> I, I was I was thinking this is going to happen. Yes, now it happened. This is great. I wanted it to happen, <laughs> yeah. and it's one of those cases where I didn't really want to be surprised. I just wanted to have what I was thinking about, and yeah. Um. So. Are they? Is, is it just this one song that sounds like this, or is it more? No, for, uh, or does the artist also their whole, uh, their whole album's full of this very sampled, and ah. it's all jazzy, swingy. Um, they yeah. they are in this genre. It's not just a one-off single. So, 
Um, they're doing lots of interesting stuff, and they have an, an album. This 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 song comes from their like 2008 or 2009, so it's actually kind of old now. Um, but they have some newer stuff I've been meaning to get to. Um, they, I mean, if they came to, I, they're the kind of like. There's probably not a ton of bands in the genre that would make it a point to see, but I'd probably give them a shot. If they came through Denver, I'd be like, I kind of want to see what their show is like. Like if it's just tons of people bouncing around the whole time like <laughs> the kind of music you really do want to go and move to and not just um shoegaze at <laughs> or something <laughs> there's nothing bad with shoe- shoegazing though no, 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 i'm a big fan <laughs> maybe maybe people are going to cosplay as 50s comic <laughs> characters yeah because because it sounded a bit like the from kingdom hearts 2 there's there's a level if anyone played Kingdom Hearts 2, uh, there's, um, there's, there's this level where you're like in a 50s comic and everything's black and white and the music sounds almost like it. If you can track that down, you should throw that in the notes. And also right now I'm, I'm reminded of some parts of the uh, Jet Set Radio or Jet Set Radio Future soundtrack where also there's a lot of heavy sampling going on and, and especially sampling from like old films to build vocal lines out of. And yeah, it will fit right in there. So if they were making a Jesser radio sometime, I think Caravan Palace, Ca- Caravan Palace should be in there. Definitely. Okay, so with this, we're going to close this episode of Bits and Pieces. And as always, you can find the show notes at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash eight for this particular episode. And we always love to hear feedback from you guys. And so you just tweet at us. So Mike is at Madwords Music on Twitter and I am Ecolox, which is E-C-H-O-L-O-X. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to us with your favorite podcatcher so you can never miss an episode. You can subscribe via iTunes, of course, or you can subscribe via RSS. You can find all of that on our website. And of course, if you're, if you like what you're hearing, please rate and review us on iTunes because that's very important in the world of podcasts. You can also support us directly on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash sunriserobot. Um, at this point, special thanks to Bruce Edwards, one of our patrons. And so I think that's it for today. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>